This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. It's time. We're not about to go smishing because I don't think we should ever do that. But we're about to find out what it is. We are going to talk cybersecurity threats in 2021. Things you need to know. As we speak with ESET security specialist Jake Moore. Now, ESET is essential security against evolving threats. Think about how all of this works. It's kind of the invisible enemy. It's why we used to spend a lot of money, and I think some people still do, on virus protection and firewalls and why we change passwords all the time. We have evolving threats that are out there in the cybersecurity, in the cyber world, and we need cybersecurity experts to help us out. That's who Jake Moore is. Jake, thanks so much for taking some time for us. Well, thank you for having me. Let's kind of look at Canada in 2021, and this probably applies to just about anywhere in the world where you have Internet and smartphones. Can we start with smishing? Because we talked off the start of the show that fishing used to be done with a rod and a reel and a worm, and then it became the fishing with the pH that you had to be careful that people were performing fishing scams and trying to get you to click on links. Jake, what is smishing? Well, like you say, cyber criminals are evolving their ways into into attacking people all the time. And we've moved away a lot of the time from our laptops. And now we've all got a smartphone in our pocket or in our hand all day long. And when that, when that text message comes through, um, it can often be more difficult to go and, and verify where it's come from. And when it says something like you have got a delivery coming in the next 24 hours click here if you'd like to change the the time that we deliver it or it may say just click on this just because you have got a few dollars extra to pay on it or something it entices you to go and click away and you you know everyone's at home at the moment we're all getting things delivered so it's believable and so these text messages are enticing people to click on it without thinking and then before they probably realized they've given away details such as their personal information, and maybe credit card information. I've seen this lots. I've done loads of research into this. And people are continually doing it. And hence, this is why the cyber criminals out there are continually targeting with us with smishing. And smishing, what that actually means is SMS phishing, if anyone's wondering what the term smishing comes from. There we go. No rod, no reel, no bait, except for the stuff that's coming by way of text. Okay, and this sounds a little... A little unnerving because, let's face it, in a pandemic, we've had a lot more deliveries. You can ask any kind of business and they'll tell you, yeah, we do a lot more delivering. Uh, We know that stealing off of porches is a big concern. But the idea that something that looks harmless like, hey, you could have this arriving, and we don't always read through all that carefully. Just click here to let us know it's still okay to deliver it. That that sounds like something that could really catch somebody in a mousetrap. Yeah, and these links that they're using will often just be one character out from what you expect it to be. Um, I was looking at one the other day. It was IPS instead of UPS. Um, But they'd made it look like it was the UPS website and what you'd expect it to look like. Um, Only through some detailed research can you therefore find other mistakes that, that, that are in there. But people, when they assume it's going to be that, they therefore will 
go through the motions and it's when you might be busy you might you're home working you've got kids around the place you might have a cat on your laptop and all in that while you just go and click away you you don't think anything of it and then that's when it occurs to you later when you you might have your bank account uh taken loads of money might come out of it you know anything can happen it's something that we really must be more aware of and, and how these cyber criminals are evolving all the time not just email, because we've started to be conditioned that way. Now they're coming after SMS messaging as well. ESET Security Specialist Jake Moore joining us. So, Jake, how do we keep on our toes? You mentioned that sometimes these things can look really, really authentic, mm. but they're not if you look really, really close. Is that the idea? Before we click anything anymore, make sure that everything makes sense? Yeah, I, mean, I, I tend to say you don't even need to go and click on the link even if it's a legitimate one um yeah you may want to go and change your delivery slot but why not go and go to the genuine website that you locate um and go through that way or, or maybe from the delivery note in your email address but if they're coming to you and saying you want to do something you need to go and click now then don't and if it's legitimate then they will understand if you take your time and that's what it comes down to spending a couple of minutes to think about it maybe go and chat to a friend and that's what we're possibly missing at the moment that interaction with people the water cooler moment you know we're, we're missing this so much that we don't get to show people things that are going on like gosh i got this text message earlier this morning check it out and they gosh I, i've seen one similar to that or i know my friend or my auntie got that the other day and it was a scam and so missing out on that communication is a bit of a worry at the moment and again this is how these cyber criminals are adapting and using the pandemic to their advantage. And they are winning at the moment, but we are doing all we can, especially with our company. We are continually researching into these new methods and then how to go and help out everyone and mitigate those risks altogether. Jake Moore joining us, ESET Security Specialist, as we talk about some of the threats that exist. Jake, how about if you received a new device over the holidays? Maybe you got a tablet, maybe you got a new laptop, maybe maybe you got a new phone. What should we be doing with those new devices to make sure that we are as safe as we can be when using them? Well, with all new devices... Uh, it's exciting when you get them out of the box, um, especially with IoT devices. I see a lot of people getting smart cameras in the home, uh, smart heating, for example. And all of those, I tend to say to people, you must go and use brand new passwords and set it up so they are unique, strong passwords. And then put those passwords in a password manager. That's the safest way to keep holding on your password. Um, and only you can then get into those uh, passwords in that vault. Because of the way that it's made up, it, it only allows you through your device to get into it. So if someone else had uh, the password to get into that vault, they still wouldn't be able to get it because they don't have your device, which is using the identifier on your phone to get into them. So that's one key thing we must stress to people is to go and have some good, strong passwords. And, and that then goes through with, with um, tablets and laptops. You're going to be creating new accounts if you're migrating other accounts onto the new devices, that's a good time to go and have a look at those passwords. If you're still using the same one or two or maybe three different passwords across the whole board, you might have hundreds of different accounts, but only the same three passwords. It would therefore be a good time to go and review them. Uh, it might take a couple of hours or so, 
but it's definitely worth it because if someone gets hold of your password somewhere else, if it's compromised in a big breach somewhere else that's out of your control, it could mean that they could then target you. Uh, and lots of people around the world think, they're not going to come after me. Uh, who am I? I I'm, I'm a nobody. But that's who they like to go for. And if they can do anything with, with your information, then they will, from identity theft to clearing out your bank account. Jake, one last thing, and that is we here in Ontario are now under stay-at-home orders. I know in the U.K. you've had different lockdowns and stay-at-home, but what it's meant is bit by bit anybody who can work out of home is being asked to do so, and there may be people who are moving the office home or taking something home and now trying to do their work from home. How do we make sure that setup is secure? Yeah, and, and you're right. And um, over the last year, gosh, millions of people have moved their office back to home, and um, and they may have made a few mistakes along the way. But you know, now we're we're getting into the swing of things. Uh, it's good to go and review all of your uh, devices that you've got at home. Make sure that they're up to date. Um, so if you are using your own personal devices, not the work ones, you may just want to make sure that they are up to date. Use the latest operating system, for example. And when they say we want to update your machine, please do. That's absolutely vital. But then one step further, you can go and um, include um, secure lines between your data being sent to other websites. And you can do that by using what's called a VPN, which is a virtual private network. What that does is, is it secures all the data that is going from your machine to the website and back again. It tunnels it. Imagine it's going through a tunnel and no one else can get into it. Into it because uh, it's using extremely strong encryption. Um, and that will make cyber criminals just go on to the next one. Just like um, burglars will look along the street, and if they see one house has got a burglar alarm, that might just make them think twice about that house and make them go to the next one. So it's just another one of those extra pieces of ammo that we have um, to attack um, the cyber criminals back in the same way that they go for us. And is that easy to find, easy to set up? Yeah, so if you go and, and look up uh, VPN, uh, you can download apps, for example, um, on your smartphone. <clears throat> and um, you may be with, if you're with a big company, they might already be supplying you with a, a VPN um, on your laptop itself. But you can go and download the apps. Um, some are free, some are paid for. Um, you can go and do the research, just like I would suggest with anything, just like with password managers, like I said earlier. Um, they're always good to go and do the reviewing first. But very simple, just type in VPN into the App Store and it'll come up with a load of them. Uh, Ones with the highest ratings uh, are always more favorable, I would imagine. And once you've got that, you can turn it on and off whenever you want. So, for example, if you're going to be uh, doing online banking from your phone, it's just an extra secure way of making sure the data going between you and the bank's website is extra encrypted. And this is becoming more of the norm as well these days we're seeing much more many more people using vpn uh, software to protect themselves and keep reducing the risks of being attacked jake this is great this has been very informative thank you so much please keep safe and keep up the great work informing people about these issues and threats well thank you very much have a great day thank you that's Jake Moore, ESET Security Specialist, as we talk about smishing, which is like fishing on your smartphone, 
where something arrives in the form of a text message and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, I am getting that package soon. Maybe it's today. And you click on something or they ask you to input something. As Jake says, just if you want to change a time or you want to do, go to their website. Never trust something that comes in from some unidentified source. How many times does our phone ring now and it's the duct cleaning people? Yeah, we're looking to set up duct cleaning in your area. I, I still wonder. Do you not wonder why it is that it's duct cleaning? Why that's the thing that that particular scam has chosen? Couldn't they do yard work or snow shoveling or something like that? I'm not trying to give them scam ideas here, but I've always wondered, what is it with the duct cleaning? You're not getting your ducts cleaned every year. This is not something you do very often. Why have you chosen duct cleaning? And as soon as you question them now, they just hang up. You can't even have fun with them anymore. They're on to the next person, trying to scam them. Don't accept duct cleaning over the phone. Call someone reputable. Anybody heard any positive news lately? Uh, The sun didn't come up today. It did somewhere above the clouds. It didn't come up in southwestern Ontario. We haven't seen that, so... You know, we can't point to even the sun coming up as being a positive. We've got very confusing restrictions. People are still wondering, what can I do? What can I not do? So that hasn't been very positive. COVID-19 is still present. That's not very positive. There's concerns about what may happen in and around the inauguration in the United States and whether or not there's any kind of fallout brewing in Canada. That's... ah, I'm going to stop this list. Is that okay? Let's just focus on something that does sound really positive. And it's this. A new survey that claims... Twice as many companies are expected to increase hiring if we compare right now with a year ago. And a year ago, we were not in a pandemic. One had not been declared at this point, January 14th, 2020, by the World Health Organization. So wait a minute. That means we're seeing something that sounds better even than before pandemic times? That's got to be good news. We need to know more about this. Michael Elliott is the co-owner of Express Employment Professionals, and they staff firms in London and in Kitchener-Waterloo, and he joins us now. Michael, thanks for taking some time for us. Uh, and, and thanks for having me. I'm actually looking forward to learning more about smishing at some point. <laughs> smishing? So am I. I, di- I don't know. Do I need a, a wetsuit to smish? I don't know, but we will find that out. And uh, I'll pass it on to you, uh, and, and let you. maybe we can go smishing together when the pandemic ends. That sounds I don't great. know. That sounds great. Maybe we can find some positive here because we're not seeing a whole lot of positive in 2021, and we kind of knew that would be the case. But when you see a survey that says twice as many companies are expected to increase hiring compared to a year ago, I kind of get happy. Uh, What should I be reading into this? Is it as optimistic as that headline sounds? Well, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, the uh, optimistic uh, outlook is partly to do with the way that um, companies um, uh, do budget forecasting. And so near the end of last year, a lot of companies sit down and they start their business planning for the next year and they look at uh, a number of factors. But, um, you know, the, the one thing that's been dragging on um, most uh, uh, companies and organizations has been the impact of covid and um and you know quite a bit of negative news over the course of 2020 
But near the end of 2020, companies started to listen to the government plans for vaccination rollouts. And, and the general feeling was optimistic that with the vaccination rollouts, with some of the COVID restrictions that we put in place, and just the overall arching um, assessment of what was happening in the economy, that there were some really positive uh, results that were coming out of their uh, assessments, which allowed companies to start to forecast staffing levels, for example. And, and there were a couple of um, specific industries that we saw in the London market and, and across southwestern Ontario that um, while there was maybe an initial, uh, initial hit or impact from COVID back in March, um, they were able to switch gears and innovate or pivot uh, is a word that we quite often hear and, and really kind of ramp up their efforts to, you know, in some cases reinvent themselves. But, but, you know, in the London market, there were a number of uh, companies working in industries where they saw an uptick in, com- in consumer demand. And, and you know, that's, I, I think that's what's driving a lot of the results, uh, you know, with companies being so optimistic. Do we know where those companies might be operating? Because so often we're hearing companies that are dealing with really tough figures like down 70% of regular business or more or not sure if they are going to be able to hang on. That's their goal is just to be able to survive until, name it, May, June, whatever, and then try and pick up some of the pieces that uh, have cracked since then. What do we know about where these particular businesses that are looking at some of the hiring for 2021 are? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a, a good question. So um, in, in my company, um, I think quite often we can be seen as uh, a leading indicator of what's happening in the in the economy. And, and what I mean by that is um, some companies are reluctant to maybe go out and commit to bringing on um, uh, staff of their own on a permanent basis. And so they'll go out to a contingent staffing alternative using a temporary agency like Express Employment Professionals, and they'll bring in a temporary staff to manage some, some seasonality in their business, or they, they will bring in uh, a temp uh, partner to start to help to manage that increase in, in product demand. And so specifically, we, we saw a continuation of um, manufacturing activity. Uh, so auto parts uh, was, a, was an industry that um, barely blipped uh, during COVID. We saw home improvement products. We saw hospital bed manufacturing that was a direct correlation to the impact of COVID. Uh, food production was, um, was booming. Alcohol production um, uh, cannabis producers were producing products at a faster clip, and then um, uh, and then the overarching transportation and logistics uh, saw an increase because they needed to get these products out to the consumers. Excellent. We're talking right now with Michael Elliott, and we're talking about a poll that was done by Harris that looked at the fact that twice as many companies are expected to increase hiring compared to one year ago. And Michael is the co-owner of Express Employment Professionals. They staff firms in London and in Kitchener-Waterloo. Many companies have, like you say, pivoted and have 
really made changes to the way they do business, whether it is creating something that is pandemic related. Mm-hmm. How much of that sort of thing is sustainable, the, the pivots that have taken place as we move forward? Have companies learned that, hey, we, we can reach out and, and develop almost a, another branch of ourselves? Can some of that keep going? Well, I, I, I don't know if you recall, um, you know, the beginning of uh, the COVID period, March and April, uh, where um, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was talking about um, his concerns around getting PPE into the Canadian market. And so um, uh, N95 masks was a great example where, you know, we were kind of at the mercy of, um, of foreign producers and, um, and you, couldn't, you couldn't buy a mask uh, back in, in March and April. And so I think out of that concern, um, there was a movement uh, that started around becoming better at being domestic manufacturers of critical items such as PPE. And, um, and you know, there were some other uh, industries such as the alcohol producers that could quite easily um, pivot and, and start to make uh, hand sanitizer, for example, because they had all the equipment in place to make um, uh, consumer alcohol goods. And so, you know, I think there were a, a couple of things that happened, but I do believe that there's going to be greater attention paid to some of the more critical items that we, we, we probably shouldn't take the risk of outsourcing that to other nations, because if we run into the next pandemic where we have a, a demand for something other than what we're able to produce um, uh, here in Canada, then it just puts the, the entire nation at risk. I guess finally, Michael, and I know that we're not dealing with every single sector here, but when you look at 2021 and when maybe we can start to see some of this hiring come into focus, is it now? Is it in a few months when the vaccine has circulated a little bit more? Is it later in the year? When do you really want to take the temperature of how hiring is going in 2021? Yeah, Mike, I think that curve has already started in the uh, right direction uh, near the end of 2020. Um, So we did see a lot of um, consumer demand that was driving the employment numbers increasing. Um, uh, But but I, I do believe that we're going to see quite a bit of um, turnover in the industry because what's happened is a lot of people have simply accepted a job in order to stay employed and, and, and you know, the SERB benefits um, uh, expired for some people. And so um, maybe th- that an indiv- individual that took on a job wasn't really the job that they were doing pre-COVID and so we'll see some some um, fairly rapid turnover as people start to align to jobs that are more specific to their skill sets. But I just think that you know the general atmosphere and the fact that consumer demand for for automotive products, ho- housing improvement products, food products, that that is going to remain strong. And so I I would expect that companies will actually plan for significant significant growth in their production of those items. Michael, you've given us some real optimism here. Thank you for doing that. And whether we get smishing in the next few months or whether we can even do it as a joint activity, I don't know. But uh, we'll find out more about that. Thank you for letting us know more about the hiring practices that are expected in this area in 2021. You're welcome, Mike, and thanks for the opportunity.
Keep safe. You too. That's Michael Elliott, co-owner of Express Employment Professional Staffing Firms here in London and in Kitchener-Waterloo. So twice as many Canadian companies expected to increase hiring compared to one year ago, and that deals with a number of different things, but at the same time, there is the idea that companies are already planning for what happens later. Not when I'm laying off, what happens as we really start to get back going. Because so many businesses are projecting ahead, saying there is going to be an end to this. We believe that, and here's how we're going to end. Right now, let's talk about small business. Let's talk about independent business, and let's talk about some of what they are dealing with. Julie Kwasinski is the Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Julie, it's been a while, but it's great to hear your voice. Mike, it's nice to hear your voice, too, and it's very sad that we always seem to be talking about sad things affecting small business. One day you and I are going to get together and talk about birthday party celebrations or something, something like that. But today, yeah, we do have to talk about something that the Canadian Federation of Independent Business has pointed out, and that is a restriction that seems to affect delivery times for, say, smaller businesses, but not necessarily for everybody. What do we know about this? Well, what we know and what, and just so uh, your listeners are aware, um, the government itself has clarified these points because our president, Dan Kelly, raised them. So one of the things we wanted to know was, can a company like Amazon make deliveries after 8 p.m.? So we found out the answer to that is yes. So then we asked, what about an independent small retailer who, to save money after the store is closed on the way home, wants to make a delivery? Apparently, that's not allowed, which is uh, very shocking and unfair, because I'm sure... You are already aware of the other unfair issue that we've been going on about for the past two or three months about going into a Walmart and being able to buy both essential and non-essential goods. But if I want to buy the book at my independent retailer, I have to do it by curbside or, 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 or delivery. Right. And yet even now, uh, just so your listeners are fully aware of the whole Um, story around Walmart, we also found out that Walmart and Costco can remain open after 8 o'clock as long as they sell a full range of groceries, which most do. That's why they call them big box stores. That's it. Shocking. Shocking. I'm sure that if you owned a bookstore and you decided to go out and buy a few heads of lettuce and some carrots and maybe a frozen lasagna or four to put in a freezer to offer up at the cash, that wouldn't work for you, so that's not going to allow you to stay open. Did the government provide any kind of insight as to why these rules do exist? Are they still talking about one-stop shopping versus going to a number of stops? And to, and to be totally honest, that didn't come. They didn't reach out to us and tell us that. We found that out just like you found it out. That basically their, their argument is that we want to make sure that there's just one-stop shopping and less mobility. So you're just going to the Walmart getting everything. But, I mean, our argument for that would simply be that one Walmart trip 
could be the one where I get COVID-19 because I'm going in the store. Walmarts are still allowed 25% capacity, which is still pretty high given that they're generally big Walmarts and Costco, so 25% is still pretty good. So I can go in there, and we're hearing that it's mayhem. Some people are wearing masks, some not. And and how can you monitor all of this? It's a large store. How can the business owner look out to make sure people are following protocols? Yet on our end, and most people can attest to this, if you've gone into a small business, and oftentimes you walk in the door, and there's literally a station that you can't get past with sanitizer. So you must sanitize your hands. They see that you have your mask on. The business owner can see at any part of the store where you are and effectively monitor you. So our argument, to the contrary, would be, and again, we're not doctors, but we do understand consumer behavior, and we like to think that we have common sense. And this is why these other policies, we just don't get it. Our approach would have been, why not take, because you've got hordes of people that want to go out because they need food or whatever it is that they need to buy. People need to buy things. I think we can all agree on that. So why not spread them all out? So instead of hordes of people getting into a car, so there's no social distancing in the car for that glorious trip to Walmart, and then waiting outside in line, and then going in for more than 15 minutes, nobody spends 15 minutes in Walmart, versus going into an independent retailer where you're allowing one, two, or three customers, and they're in and out of there in 15 minutes. To me, that's a no-brainer. That sounds like a much more health-conscious way to approach this. So we are just baffled. Mike, I can't put it any other way. We don't see the, the common sense in any of this, in how this is actually going to bring down COVID numbers. Julie Kwasinski joining us, Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. There has to be a reason. I mean, there there has to be something. Is it dollars that are paid somehow to the government by big box stores that maybe are out there that wouldn't have to be paid by smaller businesses? I mean, everybody pays tax. There has to be something that leads us down this road other than one-stop shopping, because you're absolutely right. You go into some places, and some grocery stores have done a fantastic job, and other places have done a really good job keeping things spaced out at the cash or keeping things organized, but that's not every place. It's not every place at all, and... It's it's got to be there has to be some kind of reason and you guys can't find a reason either. Well, if they're not telling us, I mean, I don't want to make any hypothetical statements on this program, but if they're not telling us, then I, I I'm I just don't understand what is it because I can tell you right now when you don't give us good reasons or where's the data, show us numbers that prove that going into a crowded Walmart and staying there for God knows how long is safer than going into a small business with maybe three people. And we even offered to say, hey, you know, we had meetings with government. We're willing to even go stronger on on the restrictions. Maybe, say, screen the patrons coming in. Do you think Walmart would even consider that? So without telling us, you know, we're left with, Mike, very simply this. This government has picked big business over small business for whatever reason. And maybe you should reach out to somebody on government and have them on the program to speak for themselves, because I don't want to put words in their mouth. But i got to tell you, you start 
start thinking some really um, unpleasant thoughts when you wonder how they reached this decision. And I don't want to go down that path. I would prefer that the government answer. But we all know that people, different lobbyists lobby for different things. So uh, maybe the lobbyists for the big box stores were louder. I mean, we heard other things about supply chain. Don't want to disrupt supply chain. Don't want to disrupt supply chain. Okay, I get that. But small businesses deal with supply chains too. And this concept of not being able to rope off a non-essential section in a Walmart, I don't get it. Manitoba's been able to do it. So let's say you don't want to rope off the non-essential section. And that would mean you go into the Walmart, buy your food and leave. You can't buy the jeans. And that's the other thing, too. Buying the jeans and the shoes and the books keeps you in the store longer. (laughs) And, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge – I watch some American television. But the one thing I remember from CNN, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, said that once you're past the 15-minute mark of being wherever you are, your chances increase of getting COVID. So I don't understand, because if you're allowing someone to go into a Walmart or a Costco, they are not going there for 15 minutes, especially after they've waited outside in a line for two hours or one hour. Right. I don't get it. I don't get it. And you know what? They haven't been able to give us any numbers. They didn't say, okay, we have proof here that shows evidence-based And that's why we're making the decision. Where's the evidence? Where are the numbers to substantiate this decision? Because in the absence of that, Mike, you know what we're left with? We're left with a sad message. We are disappointed in this government that they have clearly chosen big business over small business. We have, I mean, these new rules come out and we think, oh dear, maybe it'll just be status quo, like a do no harm situation. And instead we find out that small business was kicked in the gut, not once, but twice. So you've got Amazons ruling the roost with the deliveries. You've got the Walmarts and the Costcos of the world. They can open till whenever they want, as long as they sell a full range of groceries. And meanwhile, these poor small businesses are stuck with the dregs of curbside delivery. And even then, curbside and, and delivery, and even now they're penalized there too for whatever reason, because the business owner can't make the delivery himself after 8 o'clock. It just, I, I'm still... I, you know, I get more and more baffled as the hours pass from when this announcement was made. Julie, thank you so much for the time today in outlining this, because like you say, other provinces have been able to rope off sections. We see it on holidays in drugstores. You might have people who pick up a shopping cart and try and move it so that they can get the same, some shampoo, but at least there's somebody nearby saying, whoa, 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 you, you can't move the shopping. Yeah, but I just want to get this shampoo. No, it's not for sale today. Or you've got enough storage space in the back. Why can't you just take those products and get rid of them, put them in the back? I don't get any of it. Or how about this, Mike? Very simple. This is a no-brainer. Why not? point of sale. So your cashiers, it's pretty simple to kind of train someone as to what can go through the cash or not, and just say only food products and and prescriptions, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Anything else, it goes in bin number two, which is the bin where you put something that, that the person's not allowed to buy. Great point.
I mean, there's different ways to go about this. So that's a lame, uh, a lame excuse. And now we're hearing about there's going to be this blitz at Walmart and the big box stores starting this weekend. Well, that's like telling someone that the mother-in-law is coming over on the weekend, so you have time to prepare, clean, cook, and whatever it is that you want to do. Dust under the bed, because something's going to drop. They're going to be on their best behavior. (laughs) Uh, Just, it just, I I have to tell you, and the word disappointed is the best way to describe this, or in the words of my great boss and president of CFIB, Dan Kelly, insane. That's what he said. These new rules are insane. I couldn't agree more. Julie, you keep safe, and I promise we'll talk again when there's something happier to talk about. Absolute pleasure, Mike, and thank you again for letting me on to share CFIB's views. Much appreciated. Appreciate the time. That's Julie Kwasinski. Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And Julie did talk about, well, ask the government officials, and I wish that was easier. We get referred to releases and statements. No one is talking about that at this time. Please read this. Please look at our outline. We have declared everything we're going to declare about the stay-at-home orders. Did you receive that? Yes, we received that, but the answer is not in there. I'm sorry we're not able to provide more information. Those are the kinds of things that that we get in trying to get answers. And it leaves you just feeling, it hurts your heart for small business, for restaurants, because, as Julie says, and try and tell it a different way, the province seems to have chosen big business over small business. How come? How come? That's a question we do need answered. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.